It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. Welcome to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report. Here are Dan Rusinowski and Drew Remenda. What a spectacular Stanley Cup playoff series that we've had. It has come to a close after six games. The Colorado Avalanche, for the first time since 2001, are the Stanley Cup champions after a 2-1 to victory over the very hardworking and amazing Tampa Bay Lightning and a game that was played at Amelie Arena in Tampa in front of over 19,000 screaming fans. Drew, it's always kind of a mixed series of emotions that you feel at the end of a campaign, but the one thing that really is overriding in my mind is just a feeling of joy about how great this season really was and how great this final series was. Oh, I, I agree with you. I, this Mr. Batman the other day, um, when his State of the Union address to the media, talked about the game has never been better on the ice. He is 100% correct. The game is so much fun to watch now. It's so fast. You had two of the best teams. Well, the two best teams, when you looked at the start of the season, 2022 season, and went, what do you think? Tampa and Colorado were the two teams you would have said, yep, they're the two teams that are going to play off in 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 the final. And Colorado, it's been a long build for Colorado. And they built it right. They built it proper they went through some pain to get where they are and it was a it was exactly what we want from playoff hockey which is fast tough exciting and the best going against the best it was fantastic and of course the road to getting there too was really incredible you look at the tampa side of things they had to beat toronto they had to beat the new york rangers in florida and, and that's just an incredible group of teams that all three could have been there winning the Stanley Cup. They played four 50-win teams in the playoffs. As you mentioned, Toronto, Florida, New York, Colorado. Four 50-win teams. I don't think that's ever happened in the National Hockey League before. Incredible. And they played last night was their 71st playoff game in the last three seasons. More than anybody else. And you mentioned it. The other team was... Colorado Avalanche at the right. 40, 48 or something like two or three, I think. Something okay. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. So incredible, incredible job by Tampa. And like Steven Samko said yesterday after the game, though, we're not going anywhere. You guys think we're done. Uh-uh. We're not going anywhere. And, and when you look at their contracts, you look at their team setup, there's no reason once they get healthy uh, that we're not talking about them again next year at this time of year. Before we get to the highlights and before we get to the post-game comments of the final game of the season, I, I do want to say that both of these teams, the way that they're built and the way that they're organized, have got to be prototypes for every team in the National Hockey League to look at, especially clubs that are looking to rebuild or move forward. Absolutely. You, you have to. We have already talked about Tampa. And you go back and look at Colorado. You mentioned 2000. Was it 2001? Right. Okay. And they were like, the shark guys, the sharks know we kept going up against them all the time in the playoffs. They had Sackick, Forsberg, Foot, Blake, Hey Duke. They had an outstanding hockey team with Patrick Wah in net. They were loaded. They built 
then they, like all great teams, they fall off. And that road back was a little longer than they wanted. But when they decided to commit to it, when Gabriel Landeskog 11 years ago was drafted, Colorado had finished second last in the league. And then they kept picking and they picked very, very well. McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen. Um, and then they added the right parts. They were always kind of looking for a goalie. But um, when you look at what Gabriel Landeskog said last night, you, you know, there's pieces of the puzzle that have to be put in. And you mentioned that copycat league. Gabriel Landeskog last night was asked, um, you know, it is a copycat league. What, what will other teams be looking at? Should they be looking at um, to do what you guys have done? And Landeskog said, go get a Kale McCarr. <laughs> Not easy as, 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 as that. It's easier to say it than it is to draft that kind <laughs> exactly. of a player. But of course, in hindsight, we're looking at the draft and we're saying, how on earth was he available fourth overall? But yeah. that's, that's the way it always works in the NHL draft. And we'll see a lot of that. Dean Lombardi used to say this all the time. He used to say, eh, every team's got them. Every team's got them. Like you just, every team, there's somewhere in one of your drafts where you just go, how'd we miss that guy? <laughs> yeah, it happens every time. And of course, the depth of both of these teams is good. You look at the guys who couldn't play. Samuel Girard, who's an outstanding defenseman, unable to play in the playoffs because of his, his injury. Andre Burakovsky was a big part of the run for the Avalanche, couldn't play in the final analysis. And then on the other side of the ice, there were a whole bunch of guys that were apparently really, really damaged goods during the <sighs> final, but they kept on fighting. Braden points the one that pops out at me, unable to play most of the playoffs. John Cooper said that uh, had it been a regular season game, they would have had half their American Hockey League team probably playing at this point. Patty Maroon, after the game, who was, who was very emotional because it's the first time he hasn't won a cup in four years, um, he, he, was, uh, he said, you guys, in talking to the press, you guys will not believe when the injury list comes out. You won't believe how many guys and what, what they were playing through. Talked about his team being Warriors, talked about how proud he was of wearing that Tampa uniform, talked about the guys themselves. Uh, how they had to gut it through. Um, I think, like I said, more games than anyone um, in the last three years, two championships and getting to the final game six. Absolutely outstanding. And it was a very defensive game that decided game six of the Stanley cup final. It all began very early in the first period. Arturi Lekkanen who's had a very interesting couple of consecutive postseasons, first in Montreal and now in Colorado. Got an early chance. Lekkinen for McKinnon. Top of the circle. McKinnon leads it for McCarr. His shot through traffic. Hit another body. Ranton it out in front. Lekkinen had it go off the crossbar. He was wide open. Absolutely incredible. That was really a great opportunity for Arturi Lekkinen. And then after that, Steven Stamkos, who's had just an amazing run these last several seasons, but had a great playoff this year, did this. Palat across the blue end center point. Bumps at right point, Chernak, right circle, Kutrov. Kutrov wheels behind the net. He's checked by Nathan McKinnon. Kutrov trying to keep it alive. McCarr takes it away, loses it. Here's Stamkos, open in front, score! Stamkos! The Lightning flushed a turnover, and Stamkos has made it 1-0 Lightning with 16-12 left in the first. So there it is, first period. Steven Stamkos getting it done. Andre Palat, who's been a great playoff performer, got the assist. And you know, what an atmosphere has been created over the last 10 years or so in Tampa. Not just inside that building, which is always electric, Drew, but also, as you and I have seen, around the building. The way that they've developed things around the rink and make it a, a real event for the entire community. I, I think that that was uh, something that hit its peak on that goal 
I agree with you. I, when they show those shots outside of the rink and the crowd that just swarm in there, just packed shoulder to shoulder. It's very cool. That game. Think about back in the day, Danny, when we first started, I was still coaching e- Expo Hall. Exactly. Expo Hall. The old Which we called Expo Hall. <laughs> exactly. Um, and how that game has grown, but it just shows you that the game is so great. And if you do it the right way, you, you get the right owner, like the Sharks have and the Mr. Vinnikin uh, in Tampa. When you put, when you show your fans, you're trying to build a winner where you show your fans that you care about them. You don't take them for granted. They will repay you. Well, that certainly happened right there. One, nothing Tampa. They've got a chance to have an amazing comeback, but as we saw in the game, the Colorado avalanche were about to say no. And Nathan McKinnon was the guy who tied it up. Colorado can't get to it, but there's a penalty coming up on Tampa. Here's Landis God looking for a centering pass. Extra skater is out there. Byram over one timer. Score! Nathan McKinnon with an absolute laser beam. One time to through Vasilevsky. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, this is a tie hockey game. The Mac attack is back, Jack. Nathan McKinnon, really, I think tried to do it all himself in game number five a couple of times. And that's part of the learning experience that you go through here. He, he just uh, finally used that great talent and got that critical goal. It just, just clipped off the blocker on, on Vasilevsky and McKinnon had had up to that point, I believe the number was 60 shots on net in the finals and only one goal. And or attempted 60 shots. He had 30 and he only had one goal. And they pretty good, pretty good save percentage. Yeah. They needed him last night and he delivered. And that's why Nathan McKinnon is Nathan McKinnon. But I'll go back. Well, this was McKinnon's rookie year. And I was doing a game for NBC and they were playing LA and I got to get to the rink early in, in, um, in Denver. And the first kid out in the ice is McKinnon and he's shooting from that exact spot. And I asked him after the morning skate, I said, is that something you've always done? And he went, yep. He goes, this is my spot. He goes, so I've got to make sure that when I'm there, that no matter where the puck is, because he took it off his back foot, middle, you know, front, he shot it from all kinds of different positions. He goes, no matter where it is, I got to make sure that I keep working on that spot for me because that's, that's my go-to spot. So look at that pays off after 10 years. How many practice shots you think oh, he took goodness, from that man. thousands thousands of them yeah. and that's that's what it really takes now this is interesting he's won the stanley cup if you're Connor mcdavid sitting watching the stanley cup final uh, do you learn something from the process of watching how a great star like mckinnon won the cup this year yeah i think so i i think Connor took a step this year without a doubt, changed his game. We talked about that. You remember John Tortorella said about him and, and he did, he, he, um, he changed his game. He's become grittier, harder to play against. And McKinnon's got a better surrounding cast as we saw in the East, the Western conference finals, cause they knocked the Oilers out four straight. But I think any good player, any great player takes something from every series and something from every great, uh, if you're watching McKinnon, you go, okay, what's, what's, what does he do that I don't? And can I put that in my game? So, yeah, I think copycatting is definitely an avenue that they that he could go. More on that in just a second, but let's get right back to the highlights where the eventual Stanley Cup winning goal was scored by Arturi Lekkonen in the second period for Colorado. 
Down the wall, sent the other way by Manson, hit a body, kept alive, and Nathan McKinnon got a stick in the way. Now they get tangled up again behind the play, three on two for the Avalanche, Manson McKinnon, back for Manson, tapped over, SCORE! Oh! It's our Terry Lekkinen! It's a work of art! Lekkinen off the feed from Manson and McKinnon, as tallied and gives the Avalanche a 2-1 to lead. That was the Stanley Cup winning goal. Nathan McKinnon not only scored the goal that tied the game, he set up Lekkonen. I think it was a, a good call by Connor McGahey to say it was a work of art. It really was a beautiful goal. <laughs> the interesting thing on that was um, it, the puck was in the offensive zone. It was, it was in Tampa's offensive zone, so in Colorado's zone. As the play was breaking out, Josh Manson got his stick underneath the arm of Pierre uh, Belmar. And Belmar chick, tried to chicken wing him. You know, you, you hold it there, try to grab the hook. Yep. And Belmar, and as as Manson yanked the stick out, Belmar went down, refs didn't call it with three on two the other way, and then they scored. Tampa was really upset about it, but it was sometimes those uh, ways to draw a penalty backfire on you, and it produced, if Belmar just gets with his man and stays with him, that play doesn't happen. And um, Arturi Lekkonen, who put the avalanche into the finals, Montreal Canadiens, he put them into the finals last year and lost to Tampa uh, when he was playing for them. Now he gets that winning goal in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Hockey's a fun game, man. Sure is. And of course, on the other side of the ice, his old teammate, Corey Perry from Montreal, in the finals quite a bit these last couple of years. But uh, unfortunately, on the other side of that, but uh, two amazing runs by both of those hockey players. Meantime, it's two to one, but it's only the second period. And Tampa had a lot to say about game was going to be decided in the third period they had an opportunity a couple of them very early in period number three and one of them was on a two-on-one right off the hop Padre right circle a pass taken away by Sergachev chips it up the middle here's a two-on-one Perry across the blue line Corey Perry right circle put it in front Kucherov missed the net rebound Perry behind the net got checked lighting at a two-on-one that might be their first odd man rush in the game might have been the first mistake if you want to call it that that Kucherov made all playoffs but what a chance that would have been if he had been able to connect yeah and later on he gets a one-timer and he puts it into the into the chest of Darcy Kemper I thought yesterday in in Ray Ferraro put it really well on the ESPN broadcast is that and, and we, Danny, how many times during the season with the San Jose Sharks did you and I talk about puck management? How many times did Bob Bugner talk about puck management, puck management? At least a million. Exactly. And last night, because of the pressure that Colorado put on Tampa, they weren't able to manage the puck. They just, just that one extra second, that split second that you've got time to make a play wasn't there. That's why their chances, especially in the third period, were few and far between. Another chance for Kucherov also in the third, and it was time for Darcy Kemper to make a big stop. Up the middle, Stamkos. Got around Byram, turns back to the point center. Sit down low, Kucherov, one-timer. Save made by Kemper as he went right to left, and he gobbled it up like Pac-Man. Really good save there by Kemper. And you know what? As we talked about so many times, Darcy Kemper was good enough to win. Kind of reminiscent in my way of Auntie Niemi when he was with the Chicago Blackhawks when they won that Stanley Cup back in 2010, beat the Sharks in the conference final, and then went on to beat the Philadelphia Flyers in that crazy overtime game when Patrick Kane got the winner and nobody realized it was in for a couple of seconds. But uh, same thing for Kemper. He made some really big stops, and he looked like he was perfectly fit with the way that the Avalanche play. And I also think you go back to 
uh, was a game three where he, he got blown out. Yep. And the talk was, oh, do you put Francis in? What's what, what's Jared Bender going to do? Blah, 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 blah. Well, he went back with Darcy because he said Darcy's always been able to bounce back from a bad game. Most goaltenders can in the National Hockey League. You don't get to be a top-notch goalie without being able to overcome those bad games, which will definitely happen. And if you look at Darcy's career, from junior to the minors, and then back and forth, AHL, ECHL, AHL, NHL. If you went bounce and forth, back and forth. But I, I, I got to work or skate with Darcy a couple times a few summers ago here in Saskatoon. He's a Saskatoon guy. Full disclosure. And full disclosure, guys, from the Paris of the Prairies. And when you, um, when you watch Darcy work in the, those types of summer activities with other pros, you understood that this guy was hungry. You understood this guy wasn't satisfied. You understood that he tried to, like so many great players, perfect his craft. And he's still working on it. But as you said, perfectly put, he just had to be good enough. He didn't have to be great. He just had to make the stops you're supposed to make. And he did that. And you know, a part of that too, is that you don't put that undue pressure on yourself. If you understand the situation, you say, I'm just going to do my job. I'm going to be good enough. I'm not going to take the weight of the team on my shoulders. And he didn't do that. Exactly. Because he knew, well, listen, I got Kale McCarr in front of me. I got Byron in front of me. I have got Taves in front of me. And then the forwards, you know, they, the way that Colorado played, and we talked about a copycat league, Colorado copied what Tampa did the last two games, two years the way that they play in the defensive zone, pressure, protect the middle, pressure, protect the middle, pressure, protect the middle. And I made Danny owe, owe uh, Scott Hannon an apology with my shot blocking, um, uh, how I'm against it. My opposition to shot blocking because holy mackerel in the Stanley cup finals, do you ever have to block shots to win games? Ask Eric Chernock of the Tampa Bay oh, lightning or what a Andrew, Andrew Cogliano who ends up winning the Stanley cup for, the Colorado Avalanche, these guys got in the way of pucks all series long. Um, so does Joe will get a Christmas gift or just a Christmas card every year now from here on in what from Andrew Cogliano? Uh, I believe it would be a case of champagne. <laughs> I think that's probably would make the most sense. I, again, these are the things you, you really like to see. A couple of years ago, it was Barkley Goodrow went yeah. to the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Sharks didn't want to let him go. They ended up getting a first round draft pick for him. He ends up winning a couple of Stanley Cups and then cashes in with a big deal with the Rangers. And he's on a team now that might win in the next couple of years. Now, Andrew Cogliano, a little bit of a different story, uh, goes for so many years without even having a chance to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, he came to the Sharks to try to help rebuild them back to the playoffs when that wasn't going to happen. Obviously, at the end of his deal, he got moved and Joe Sackick, pretty savvy acquisition because he turned out to be a very important role player for this club. Took him 1,140 games to get that trophy and lift it over his head. But the other aspect is, where was he? He was a fourth-line guy for the Avalanche. He was a third, sometimes second-line guy for the Sharks. And when you put him around the right guys and they're able to build a team, um, he was a guy that really thrived in that role. But because of the way that... Both teams are constructed. Andrew had to play up a level, and at his his veteran age, he wasn't able to play up that level and sustain as much of an impact as you wanted. But as you said, a good move early in the year to have Andrew with the Sharks because of his leadership and his personality and his presence. And 
savvy move by Joe Sackick to bring Andrew in, knowing that he could fit a certain role that they needed. Time now to get our final calls of the Stanley Cup from both sides of the equation. Let's start with the Tampa Bay Lightning and Dave Mishkin. Plot taps it back to his own end. Final 10 seconds. Lightning are running out of time here. Stamp yeah, goes in the near it. corner. Is bumped by McCarr. <laughs> Terrible call. Here's Kalorn at the near boards. Sweeps it forward to Perry at center ice. And this is over. Congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche. They have won the Stanley Cup. So that's the one side, and it, it's always disappointing. The level of emotion is low, but Espo always gets in a call. And then on the other side of it, it was Connor McGahee, as elated as you can imagine. Ten seconds now. Four check here from Kale McCarr. It's all the way to the other end of the ice. Four seconds, three seconds, two seconds, one second. It's over. <laughs> they did it. They did it. The job is done. The Colorado Avalanche are Stanley Cup champions. Yes, they are. And it's amazing that those two calls were in the same rink, isn't it? <laughs> after the game was over and after all the celebrations and the handshakes and everything else, the, it was normally time for fans to start booing vociferously because Gary Bettman would come out and hand out the Conn Smythe Trophy and also the Stanley Cup. But suddenly Bill Daly walked out, the deputy commissioner, very well respected, and he presented the Conn Smythe Trophy. The Conn Smythe Trophy is awarded annually to the most valuable performer in the Stanley Cup playoffs. This year's winner scored 29 points in only 20 Stanley Cup games, the highest point total by a defenseman in nearly 30 years. Congratulations to the 2022 Conn Smythe Trophy winner, Colorado Avalanche defenseman, Kale McCarr. We predicted that a few games ago, Drew, that he was the yeah. leading candidate to win. And uh, how can you pick anybody else? Uh, Bobby Orr comes to mind with the impact that he had on the game. And that's, uh, that's not an exaggeration. This kid is going to be a great hockey player for many years. Yeah. And, it's incredible when you look at what uh, he's done in his short time in his career, three years in the national hockey league, but he is, uh, you know, special is a word we use a lot with players, but he's top notch. They don't, they, right now there's not many, many better who play like he does, but also there's no, um, I don't know what it is. I mean, he just seems like such a likable young man and you kind of cheer for a guy like that because he just, goes about his business. His, his focus is absolutely incredible. And remember the impact that he's had on a lot of different players, including somebody on the Sharks, his old D partner from the University of Massachusetts Amherst, that would be Mario Ferraro. When you talk about being able to build around guys, Mario Ferraro is the type of guy that you build around, that you can, he's one of those guys that you need this guy as part of your foundation to, to build a winning team. So I look at Mario and I'm looking, you know, and we, we both love the kid because of his juice and because of what he brings, but his leadership qualities, I think too, are, are there very different from Kale McCarr because we know that Mario's out there, right? Got the smile. He's in your face. He doesn't hide his emotions. Kale's more stoic, but still two, uh, two outstanding young men from an outstanding program.
Mario Ferraro is going to bring out the best in all of his teammates because of his enthusiastic, bubbly support for the work ethic and everything that it takes to be a champion. And that's another thing that the Sharks fans should really be very, very excited about in the coming years. So Bill Daly handed out the Conn Smythe Trophy, and then it was time to hand out the Stanley Cup. On behalf of the National Hockey League and Commissioner Gary Bettman, I have the, I have the privilege to invite... Avalanche captain Gabriel Landeskog to come over and accept and hoist the Stanley Cup. And Landeskog would do that. Uh, they would have the dance around the ice. It was just, it's always a beautiful scene, very emotional. Even uh, if you're a, a member of an organization that didn't win the cup, it's just very, very emotional to see that in person. And uh, just a note about Gary Bettman. He wasn't there because he was ducking the reactions from the crowd in Tampa. <laughs> he was there. Be- he wasn't there because he tested positive for COVID. So our, our hopes that the commissioner gets well very, very soon. Really un- unfortunate that he was unable to be there that day. But you heard uh, the fans, good for them. That little boo when he mentioned uh, Mr. Daly, uh, mentioned Mr. Bettman. And what I love about uh, Mr. Bettman is the fact that he has embraced those boos, man. He's like, yeah, bring it. And he's so good about it. He's, he's an OG when it comes to that. Here's the other thing, though. This is how I feel, my own personal opinion, that the Stanley Cup celebration is the best championship celebration in sports, bar none. Nothing comes close. Exactly. First of all, the trophy itself, nothing comes close to it. In my opinion, the two most beautiful trophies in all of sports are A, the Stanley Cup, which is perfectly designed now for a player to lift over his head because of the way that it's configured. And the other one is the Borg Warner trophy for the Indianapolis 500, which is an amazingly beautiful trophy as well. Those to me are, are, are the most significant. And of course, what's similar about the two of them is that the winner's names, and in the case of the Borg Warner trophy, yes. the actual likeness is on the trophy itself. I think that's part of it too. I agree. I agree. And uh, you go back to Brian Trache and the New York Islanders or the reason that the, the cup is the way the cup is. Um, your name is always going to be on there and then the rings get taken off and put in the, the Hockey Hall of Fame. I love the fact, though, there's so much significance to it. The captain comes over and gets his trophy, picks it up, does his little thing, and the guys are all cheering. The players are there. The guys who just went through it and earned it get that trophy. How about Johnson? Johnson gets it from – Eric Johnson gets it from um, – um, Landis Scott, right? He, because veteran guy. Then Andrew Cogliano got it next. I mean, there was significance to who gets it next. And that started really when Colorado won it last time, when Ray right. Bork ended up getting it from Joe Sackick. That sort of started that tradition. Back in the day, it didn't really matter who the, the captain of the team handed the, the, the trophy to to carry around. And in fact, the captain hung out with it for a long time. Yeah. But now it, it's really become, again, the most amazing tradition. And you mentioned Eric Johnson. What a, a ride he's had to finally get to his first Stanley Cup, and he talked about it. It's better than I imagined. This is amazing. I'm so proud of our guys. I got to Denver 12 years ago. We were dead last in the league. We came dead last again four years after that. Five years ago, dead last. It's just about believing in yourself and surrounding yourself with people that believe in you and special things can happen. And head coach John Cooper, never at a loss for words, had some amazing things to say post-game on the losing side, but he said the most important things when he was asked about the future. We're not done. Like, the last eight years, we've been to six conference finals. 
And uh, that's what, you know what today is? Today is a crushing loss. And we, we, we played this whole season to get to this goal. And we finished two days short of winning our, like, being a part of history. But this group is part of history. And you, people, we should take a step back and sit here in a league, as I said, is stacked against the cards. They want parity. To go to, a, to win 11 straight playoff series and whatever it is, like third all time, like these guys are right up there with the 80s Islanders, uh, the Oilers, like those teams you talk about for decades. I hope people talk about that group in there for decades because young hockey fans coming up and they're watching the same team parade to the final every single year, you, can't, it, you don't do it by fluke. And these guys warriored their way to that point. Like I said, we just, we, we met our match in this series. Um, but I hope people think of this team and, and write about this team for years to come for what they've gone through in the last three years. Well, that's the way the season ended. The Colorado Avalanche are Stanley Cup champions. And now for the San Jose Sharks, it's a very exciting time, an historic time. The Sharks will be naming a general manager over the course of the offseason. The schedule should be coming out early in July, Drew, so we'll get a chance to see beyond Prague exactly what the schedule is going to look like, as is the case with uh, all broadcasters. We don't look at the home games. We look at the road games to find out where we're going. But uh, that's that's just the way it usually is. We'll have the we'll have the NHL draft. The Sharks will be 11th overall, at least as of today. You never know what could happen. Yeah. Development camp happens, training camp, a trip to Europe, and then the 2022-23 season begins and over the course of the summer you and i are going to be putting together lots of content on the sharks audio network and we'll have a lot more things going on once the season gets started yeah absolutely i'm, I'm looking forward to this year danny i think also uh, the sharks audio network as you mentioned that's a good call by you uh stay tuned because danny and i are going to be uh, uh omnipresent uh present i should say on this uh, on the sharks audio network we're going to bring you some interviews we're going to bring you some the news around the league lots of things that we've got planned and uh, the Sharks, as you said, got some great things planned as well. Can't wait to find out who the new general manager is and, and the direction that he's going to take San Jose. We look forward to a great and exciting and very eventful offseason. But for now, that's it for our Stanley Cup Playoff Report. You've been listening to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report. This has been a presentation of the San Jose Sharks Audio Network.